Hello and welcome to this episode of the Camera Channel Podcast. My name is Michael Sanders. In this episode, we have two more tales from the front line, how to film news while social distancing. Later on, I'll be talking to Good Morning Britain producer Rad Vagama about his work as a video journalist. But first, I spoke to producer cameraman Andrew Johnson about how he approached shooting a current affairs show. Hello, I'm Andrew Johnston. I'm a cameraman and producer. I'm based in Devon. I work mostly for the regional BBC down here in the southwest, but I also do corporate work um, and I work uh, for anyone anyone else who'll have me. <laughs> so you, most recently you were shooting a story for a BBC regional current affairs show. What advice did you get from them on how to stay safe? Before we went out, there's a clear, there's clear guidance from the BBC. We've had clear guidance on, you know, two metres, don't talk to anyone who you might who might be at risk of having had the illness and all this sort of stuff. No personal mics is another thing on the brief guidance. But And we're all aware, you know, on that particular story I was doing, it was about coronavirus. So we were all aware of trying not to approach uh, people too closely in the frame, trying, not to, to, trying to make the presenter look like she's not too close to people within the two metre limit and all that sort of stuff. So people are aware of what's going on. So what practical steps were you taking to keep yourself and your kit clean? I've got alcohol wipes. Well, I've got a, a bottle of alcohol spray. Uh, every time I come out of a particular environment, I'll wipe the kit down as much as I can. Obviously, do the old gel on the hands. The last day I was working, I was wearing uh, medical gloves mm. to, to touch all the kit and then throwing, disposing of them, which, of course, in this you know it feels a bit wrong these days to be disposing of stuff but you have to i did try on the final day really mainly as a courtesy to people who were interviewing to use a face mask but that was completely hopeless because my viewfinder steamed up the minute (laughs) i mean i couldn't have my face mask on while i was operating the camera handheld or anything so i just had to take it off yeah I i think it's just practical steps i think it's just wiping stuff down making sure it's as clean you know as it possibly can be and then washing your hands before you do anything afterwards so how easy did you find it to adhere to the guidance i was maybe less rigorous on the first couple of days the third day i was much more i was really trying to implement the health and safety lessons or or advice we've been given Mm. and i think that's when i'm not sure i shot as well as i I would normally have shot on that particular day i think i got my shit together later on but you know initially i was a bit flustered by various things which is of course understandable because it's not part of your normal routine you're on autopilot aren't you half the time when you're doing some of this work you know because you've done it so many times before you stand up interview or whatever it's easy enough to do but when you're trying to think through things and we had this sort of odd two meter triangle so the eye line of, of the producer was all wrong you know that he wasn't looking over my shoulder where the producer should be the the, the contributor was looking sort of out of the right hand side of the frame because mm. everyone's two meters apart so i'm mm. two meters from the producer the producer's two meters from the interviewee and mm. it was just this sort of weird triangle and, and the framing didn't work and it just it just kind of made a mess of everything i mean you know you pull it all back and you figure it all out but you know initially it wasn't very easy to figure it out i have mm. to say and of course, when you're shooting and your eyes to the viewfinder, you're rightly concentrating on the pictures. You're a step away from reality, aren't you, when you're filming? Mm. You know, you've always got that barrier of the camera with you and you're, and, you're, and you're always thinking about the work and you're not necessarily thinking about yourself. 
But the, the other thing that you have to guard against is when the story gets interesting, when the pictures get interesting, when you can feel like there's, a, there's something to do and this is going to be a key element in the film and you've really got to do your best as, as, as cameraman to, to grab those pictures. Your instincts kick, kick in to, make a, to try and make some good TV and you suddenly forget that you're, you're a metre and a half from the subject, not two metres. So it's quite hard to keep all those things in mind when you're working on the job, I think. And it is very easy to get caught up in the moment and can be quite hard to step back. You've got to check yourself and, and, and think through the problem and think about whether or not those pictures are really that necessary before you rush in and, and film them. Because I'd just rush in and film anything. Um, and that's not necessarily the right approach in these circumstances. Because it's completely different to the many other situations news crews find themselves in. I've, I've worked in a war zone. At least you can hear the noise of the bullets and the bangs and all the rest of it. This is a kind of silent killer. And that's the thing that's worrying, I think. That's the thing that is difficult for crews, is you're going into an environment where you don't know what's going on. And, mm. and you don't know whether your piece of equipment, your camera boom, whatever, has, has touched something grubby and you'll get sick. I mean, I've worked in developing countries and I've been down with various lurgies from picking up a cable that dropped in the in the village square or something and then you lick your hands and before you know it you've got dysentery and it's a bit like that when you're dealing with something like this you just have no idea so my hands at the moment are kind of red raw from all the washing you know I've wiped all my kit down with alcohol swabs and everything I can do but you know one of the problems we all have with crews shrinking as they do is that um you know, we have to rely on producers to wave the boom. We have to rely on other people to carry our kit. And I was like, you know, the, the producer last week was saying, oh, can I carry your tripod for you? I was like, no, I shall have it. I'll take it myself. Don't touch it. Because mm, <laughs> you, know, mm. you, you never know where anyone's been. So it's affected all your working practices. It's affected how you actually operate as, as a cameraman. Do I dare put my camera down there? Do I let anyone touch it? You know, who's been speaking to my mics? How do I wipe them down? I mean, how do you wipe down a fluffy mic? you know a road fluffy i don't know how you do that you know maybe you have to take some sheep dip with you or something <laughs> because i think i think an alcohol wipe's not going to do anything for it there's all sorts of things that you need to think of. you know can you lean against a table to brace yourself to make the shot steadier or something like this all of these things were crossing my mind last week as i was filming and and probably affecting the quality of the work as well so what would your advice be to other people who are out covering stories in the current crisis I think you probably have to approach the whole project, the whole shoot, from a very different perspective. I think you have to try and f almost make a virtue of the fact that there's going to be a mic in shot. You know, here's my long boom pole in the shot. In fact, on the third day I was shooting on that project, you know, I had specific instructions from, from the series editor to make sure the boom pole appeared in the shot. So it did look like we were... We were keeping our distance, if you see what I mean. So, you know, all the time the instructions were evolving. At the best of times, producers aren't particularly good at communicating to crew what the story is about anyway. What are we doing? Oh, just interview this bloke. All right, off we go. But, you know, in this environment, I think that my advice to people would be to try and be as well briefed as you possibly can. Where are we going? Is it a remote part of the country where none, this virus hasn't happened before, in which case you're probably relatively safe? Or are you going into the middle of the town where... I don't know, 50 people died yesterday. The risk levels are completely different. And I think it's while we all, all 
rely on the producers and the series producers to give us as much information as possible. I think it's up to us as well to to try and bone up on the situation and be aware of things. I don't have any qualms about saying no. And that's vital, isn't it? If you don't feel safe, don't be afraid to say so. And especially now, people need to be aware that they could be a carrier as well. Well, that's exactly it. You could be affecting somebody else. You could you could be putting someone else in danger through what you do, because not because you necessarily got the lurgy, but you were filming someone half an hour ago who did, and you haven't wiped the kit down, and then you go and film someone else. I mean, I suppose, again, these are working practices that they're not instinctive, because we don't, do we? We take a radio mic off someone, stick it on someone else, we don't even think twice about it. But But we should do, and mm. especially at the moment. Mm. And well, especially at the moment, you're not supposed to use radio mics at all. But you, you know what I'm trying to say. Mm. As a journalist, it must be incredibly frustrating sitting at home following the guidelines whilst one of the biggest stories of our generation is unfolding outside your window. Somehow, we need to find a way as journalists, as as, as filmmakers, as as camera people, of, of actually telling that story. And how do you go about doing that? How do you go about doing it when, when there's a risk to you? There's a risk to the people that um, you go and interview because, you know, I might be transmitting the disease and, and you want to cover the story and you want to, because it's a moment in time as well. And to be sort of sitting at home while the story's going on is a little bit, well, very frustrating, actually. My name is Rav Vadgama. I'm a senior producer at ITV working on the Good Morning Britain programme. So my primary job role is to do lives in the morning for Good Morning Britain, um, and that's uh, as a, a one-man band operation. So I don't normally travel with the sound recordist. It's just me and, uh, and a correspondent. Which in itself is quite interesting. Most people would usually complain about being a one-man band, but actually in this case, it's probably a blessing. It's a, a bit easier. You can look out for your hygiene uh, a bit more diligently. Um, and the person that you work with, well... You tend to work with them a lot and you have an understanding with those people. Being a one-man band, I travel in my car, uh, so all of my kit is with me. Um, and obviously then you've got to bring into, into effect sort of a hygiene procedure, keeping the kit clean, keeping it sanitised. Which must be brilliant for your peace of mind because the alternative would be to use pooled equipment. Absolutely, yes. I mean, I really do feel for my colleagues who are freelancers or working with multiple different types of broadcasters because you know you're working with people who you don't really have a history of and and they're the people that you can't leave bits of equipment with i imagine you know many people would would quite like to break up their kits such as ifb and whatnot and and leave that with uh with with a correspondent you can't do that if you're a freelancer whereas someone who is working with the people quite regularly you can do that so for example my correspondent that i work with keeps his own earpiece or keeps his lapel mic with a radio transmitter, uh, which means that I don't actually have to touch that if we, if we need to use it. So do you travel together then? No, we, we don't travel in the same car. We have separate vehicles. Um, there is a complete separation, yes. We have to maintain that two-metre perimeter. Not because it's the right thing to do, but also we have to set an example for our viewers as well, who may see our correspondents on screen and or may see our crew on screen. We have to show that we are following the rules too. That There is an understanding from management and from ITV as a whole that it's not so bad to have microphones and things in shot. And obviously, not being able to use a lapel mic on somebody because you don't want to enter that two-metre two perimeter within them so you set up a, a a boom mic or you put something on a stand and 
it, it's quite comforting knowing that that being in shot, which normally would have been a cardinal sin, is is okay. We are obviously classified as key workers, and and as such, we have to set an example. So, how do those guidelines affect how you interact with your colleagues back at base? Well, there is very little interaction, personal interaction, with people on the desk. You know, correspondents don't tend to go into the newsroom anymore um, to try and avoid. Not so much, uh, you know, getting into people's personal spaces, but you just, it's touching surfaces, it's opening doors, it's that sort of thing which you're trying to avoid. So a lot of things are done remotely now. Um, we we try to maintain that distance as much as possible. So yes, everybody sings from the same hymn sheet. When we get together um, with a correspondent and a producer, for example, or working on a job, then yes, we maintain that social distance. But at the same time, we have the understanding that each of us has got a bit of kit we don't need to worry about. Um, we're not touching that kit, we're not um, interacting with it, um, and when we've finished, um, we'll still disinfect our kit and sterilise it uh, and put it away, because you don't know what could happen next. You may not be working with that person again if something changed. Aside from the sandwich shops not being open, which was something I found out yesterday, have you noticed anything else different about working at the moment? Something that has changed, um, I suppose, has been the cooperation between broadcasters i i've noticed probably more so over the last month than than my whole career how broadcasters um who traditionally would be quite rivals on on a job would be talking to each other a bit more and helping each other a bit more there's that common understanding of it is a difficult situation but i suppose the flip side of that is that where once the entire crew would pitch in to de-rig you now have to be mindful of reducing transmission so that mucking in has to stop. It, it has got to stop. But, but I suppose when you work in, in a smaller group, you're not doing that huge lighting rig and you're not doing that elaborate uh, um, microphone setup and whatnot. It is very, very simple. It's a camera, it's a microphone, and it's yeah. a light. And yeah. there are only so many ways that you can do that. And, um, you know, w- we are not going to do that uh, intricate american style broadcast backlit thing it's not going to happen um it's going to be rough and ready and if i shoot it on my phone then you're lucky so um you know there's definitely an understanding in that respect um because because we just have to yeah i know from the limited driving i've been doing over the uh, past couple of weeks that actually the roads in london in particular are so quiet it must be quite spooky when you're out there especially early in the morning it's it's so spooky I mean, the, the 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 commute is fantastic, of course, but um, but but yes, it it is it is quite eerie. Um, you know, when you work in breakfast television, you get up at silly o'clock anyway, sort of three in the morning, and you're driving around, and the roads are quite clear. But you have that routine of the things you listen to on the radio and the things that you see as you drive to certain places, and you know, as as the clock comes to six o'clock, certain things will be happening, like the postie will be out or people will be delivering or something or other that that has completely stopped now it's i mean the best way i can describe it is what my my colleague described it to me is sort of 28 days later it really is you know i noticed the other day that there was a, a bit of paper and an old carrier bag floating around and i looked at that and i thought well a i'd like to film that in slow motion but <laughs> but but b isn't that just quite quite a, a metaphor for how things are at the moment Yesterday was quite interesting because I, I was in what should have been a busy part of London um, near, near Regent Street and it was completely abandoned and later on in the day I was filming a VT and it was in the middle of a, a south coast 
uh, asparagus farm. And I was standing in the middle of this farm, which should have been completely populated with pickers mm. taking the asparagus out the ground. And I was standing and I could hear the birds tweeting exactly the same way as when I was in Regent Street and thinking, my God, mm. you know, these places are so similar and how eerie it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, somebody I was talking to earlier was saying that it's a bit like being in a war zone that's being deserted where one side have just fled and you're just left in this weird calmness. That's quite an interesting analogy, actually, because, you know, for, for your whole career, you're taught, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're hostile environment trained, you're taught to act in a certain way, to be cautious in a certain way, to question things, to look for exit routes before you even come, come into a situation. And, uh, and that's always based on a feeling uh, and it's always based on an observation and you're feeling those things and you're observing those things where it feels strange and it doesn't look right. And that automatically puts you on edge. And you know, suddenly your, your he fat training tells you that you shouldn't be there. Um, and something is not right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting analogy about a, a war zone, uh, for sure. You know, I've been to some hairy places Indeed. And, and yeah, I suppose, you know, you are, you are looking over your shoulder and you're looking out for your mate, hmm. uh, which is exactly what we're doing now. It must be very difficult operating in these conditions. Do you know, cards on the table, it's, it's quite depressing. Um, I found it particularly difficult. Um, and I'm, I'm, a, a, I'm very much a people person. I like to go out and meet members of the public. I like to talk to them. And, and operating as a one-man band, you tend to have that slightly more intimate relationship with with a uh, an interviewee where you're not you know surrounding them with a with a sound engineer or a producer or a director or something or other it is just you a small camera and the interviewee it, you often get some incredibly uh, revealing interviews that way it's very difficult to do that now and and i understand that it has to be like that. I just worry that it's going to be like that for a very long time and it's going to be quite demotivating. I really do want to get back to those those interviews that, you know, that made me want to get out of bed every day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it is quite uh, dispiriting in that respect. But it's important to remember that as a journalist, you know, this is part of the job. This is, life has to carry on. Life does go on. The, the, the news for public service broadcasters has to go on. Um, we have to supply that service. Um, that's what we've been paid to do. And uh, and I'm definitely going to try my, my damnedest to get the information that people need to know to them. The weight of expectation on us as public service broadcasters, you know, I wouldn't underestimate that. You know, we do think every day about the, the key messages that do have to go out you know we we have a responsibility to act in a responsible way so the important scientific information well that can't be muddied at all it has to be quite clear cut when it gets gets to the audience so yes you can ha have those fun moments and those fun vts and the, and, and you know, the bit of light relief but at the same time when it comes to the bare bones facts that has to be relayed to the audience in a way that it, it, that it's trustworthy. Um, uh, and, you know, as a public service broadcaster, you have to do. Yeah. And that's it for another edition. Tell me what you think, either via a comment on the website, mjsanders.co.uk slash podcasts, or on Twitter at camera underscore channel. I'll be back in a week's time with a very special episode, a wonderful discussion before the UK's leading wildlife DPs. Until then, thank you for listening and goodbye.